0: Welcome in friends to this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago and with me as always is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the I'm Fat Podcast. And I do believe a classically trained stunt pilot. Am I, Am I right about that? Do you have your pilot's license, Jay?
1: I'm unlicensed nah, but that's see how it. I, I insist on it to be that way I live dangerously
0: <laughs> well I tried I tried to give you a new <laughs> title today I decided that the best-selling author thing was a little bit tired so I decided to give you another job congratulations you're now an unlicensed stunt pilot
1: awesome so, so that means I just jump through windows for free
0: that's exactly it yeah and you somehow can like fly planes even with no classical training it's amazing um all right so all all of that frivolity aside jay we have something fun to talk about today
1: we do blackhawks won two games and before you in your car or you're on the train or wherever you are on your peloton because you're snooty and you can't connect with america because you have a peloton america um and you say they beat only the red wings and red wings suck that's true but the Hawks suck less than the Red Wings, and that is good news always. I don't care what what kind of season you're having. The fact that the Hawks suck, suck less than the Red Wings is a good thing. All right? So be happy. Enjoy the two wins. Uh, but there's a lot of good stuff to talk about, regardless of the quality of opponent. It appears that the Blackhawks have found their goalie. We're mm-hmm. going to get to that for sure. Uh, they've found some young players who are ready to contribute. They added a veteran yesterday in Carl Soderbergh who made a, uh, you yeah, know, not like a huge statistical impact, but you saw the difference he made on the ice and some unlikely people were scratched. So, where do we want to start, James? I think uh, we'll start with the uh, goalie situation, but first, I want to tell you how to get in touch with us. MadhousePod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at MadhousePod, Instagram, Madhouse underscore pod. Of course, we're on Facebook. Just search for us. Patreon. Uh, slash madhouse pod and we have a website madhousepod.com pretty much anything related to us you can find there very very easy that includes a link to our merch shop madhouse madhousepodmerch.com powered by our friends at triple threat sports for all your team outfitting needs call chris 708-478-6090 so kevin Lankinen has seemingly taken this job by the collar and won it with his not only good play, but I would say very good play over the last handful of games.
0: Yeah, uh, we talked our, obviously early in the season, and Jeremy Colleton had made it a point to always mention that the Blackhawks were going to give opportunities to all three goaltenders, and it obviously Kevin Lankinen ended up getting saved for last. Which I don't know if that was deliberate in design or what that was, but. He essentially jumped into the goal and immediately won the position and he has looked really solid the last two games again we do have to put in the qualifier. This is the Detroit Red Wings they were missing several key players because of COVID protocols like all of those things in mind. Kevin Lankinen and has still looked like the most polished the most complete. And, dare I say, the most confident of the three Blackhawks goalies, and there's a reason why he's gotten several starts in a row, and I would think is he's going to start again on Tuesday night in Nashville. I have been very impressed so far with Kevin Lankin, and I know you and I have talked on this podcast quite a bit when he was still a prospect and they were still kind of wondering when he was going to end up coming up. I know we had spoken about him being somebody that the organization was kind of high on, and they did like him. Now, I'm not saying like, oh, second coming of Corey Crawford or anything like that, but there was definitely a sense around the organization that Lankinen was going to be a solid goaltender potentially, and I know we're only three games into this experiment, and I know that he's got a couple of wins under his belt now. I've liked what I've seen from Kevin Lankanen in a lot of different ways, both with his attitude, with his play on the ice. I I think that he's a guy that they're going to kind of lean on right now until he gives them reason not to.
1: And that's how they should do it. Last podcast, we talked about the need to find a rhythm. And we also talked about if no goalie emerges as the clear top guy, then when Rockford comes back, you want to send Lankin into Rockford so he can play. The reason we said that was because – I think the two of us and most people in the organization think that Lankinen will eventually be the best of the three, but he might be the best of the three already, and it certainly looks that way. Now, look, I'm not ready to say that Calendelia couldn't do this job as well as is doing it. I, I'm not ready to pull the plug completely on Malcolm Subban after one start against the best team in hockey, the first game of the season, yada, yada, yada. But Lincoln has, like you said, he has shown that calm. He's shown that consistency. He's shown that confidence, and uh, he's 25. It's not like he's you know 19, 20 years old. Uh, he's 25, and it took him a while to make his NHL debut. But that's that's pretty typical for a goalie. So he's not this young kid. He comes in with some confidence. He comes in with some uh, ob- some obvious ability, and maybe he's just f- further along than anyone thought he'd be. And now. The question is, okay, you're still carrying three goalies for the time being. How do you pull? Do you just play Lankanen until he struggles, until he has a subpar game? Maybe your opportunity is who plays the second of the back-to-backs on Tuesday and Wednesday against Nashville. At some point, you got to give Subban another look here. And maybe Subban's the guy who goes Tuesday or Wednesday, whichever day they want it to be. I'd be shocked if Lankinen does not start the game on Tuesday. That would be, why would you not do that? Why would you not ride the hot hand while you have it?
0: Yeah, and I I actually had just uh, jotted down a note before we had started uh, talking about the goaltending situation that I do think that Subban is going to get the opportunity to play on Wednesday night. I think Subban should start on Wednesday night. I know that obviously a lot of people are going to want to see Colin Delia back in net since he did get the two opportunities early, and I thought at times looked pretty solid. I still agree with you that I think they really need to see what they have in Malcolm Subban. I mean, there is a reason that you brought him back as a restricted free agent. You wanted to see what you had in him. And I do think that Wednesday night against Nashville could be a good opportunity for him to get back in the net. And I think the one thing we need to remember here is that the Blackhawks right now, what I think they're trying to do, and this is me putting words into the thoughts of Jeremy Colliton, I suppose, is that I think that he's trying to get this team to have some confidence, right? They took a lot of big body blows before the season when it came to injuries and the expectations for this team were really low, which probably wasn't going to help the confidence either. I think – I know – it, and, again, this is just the Red Wings, blah, blah, blah. I guess at some point we can stop throwing that caveat out there. But I think the point is you've got a couple wins under your belt. You played well against Florida and didn't quite finish off that win. That's three games in a row that the Blackhawks can have some really good feelings about. And it's really important to keep building on that momentum. So while I think that Kevin Lankanen ultimately is going to end up probably being the best out of the three this season, I still think it's very likely that we end up seeing a scenario where he falls off a little bit. He struggles. And then they do get Delia and Subban back in there. So I think that it's key not to think that, He's just grabbed this job, and he's going to just you know, yank it down and never let anybody else have it. I I definitely think that there are obviously going to be other things that happen in this whole situation, and I think that that, again, does start on Wednesday night where you run Subban back out there and go, look, man, you have an opportunity to grab a share of the playing time, go out there and do it.
1: Yeah, because I think of the three, and he's only had one chance, to be fair, but of the 3, his start has been the least impressive. You saw a lot of things that were like, "Whoa." That like I've never seen a goalie lose his puck in his crease like Subban did in that first game against Tampa. That was that was to me was a little startling. Like he has no idea where the puck is. None. Yeah. And you know, usually goaltenders can just sort of based on the context of what their teammates are doing say, "Oh, I better lay down or I better hold still." You know what I mean? Like you can sort of see where your teammates are going, trying to get the puck. And look, it's one play. I'm not going to base a whole guy's career off one play, but there's just been some troubling, some troubling moments from Subban, uh, in 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 his start. And, and I want to see him get more because look, he was a first round pick. He was a first round pick for a reason, right? That people saw something in him that made them believe he right. was this good. So I'm not ready to pull the plug on any of the three, but I want to see Subban get another look. I think it's really tough to say okay, here's your first game in how long? Like, how long has it been since Malcolm Subban played a game, save for that 45-second shift where Corey Crawford's strap came off or whatever it was, um, and we're going to throw you to the Wolves against the Tampa Bay Lightning game one with eight new guys in the Hawks roster or whatever it was. That was a very tough situation. I want to see him get a little more normal of an opportunity, and I think Wednesday, second half of a back-to-back could be a perfect opportunity. And I It, it just sort of makes sense that that's the way it's going to go we don't know for sure but look man i i'm been uh very pleased with the lake kevin lankan and his plate and you know with a little bit of how the team has played overall we're going to get to that in a second but first want to tell you about our friends at fry the coop and FryTheCoop.com. nashville hawks are headed there to celebrate you should head to fry the coop and get some nashville hot chicken you should go tuesday and wednesday because it is a back-to-back against nashville after all so go get some hot chicken oakland elmhurst westtown prospect heights coming soon to tinley park go to frythecoop.com peruse the menu place your order online when you do you can drive up to fry the coop walk right up to that takeout window you don't have to go in the building at all they'll hand you your bag you're in and out you're safe you're good and you are enjoying the best hot chicken you'll ever have in very very short order i recommend the tenders uh, my buddy micah gets the donut chicken sandwich every time i will tell you the hottest hot, is hot. So if you're like, I like hot food, I'm going to get the hot. It's hot. That's a warning. Oh, yeah, and there's two levels above hot. So be warned. I'm telling you, as a person who enjoys hot food, the hot can be too much for me at times. So proceed with caution. Frythecoop.com. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. The other thing, James, that is sort of unexpectedly uh, satisfying this season has been the Blackhawks' very competent power play. And I heard Eddie Olchek saying that they were at the point where they don't just think they're gonna score, they know they're going to score on the power play. Here's a note from last night's postgame. Chicago matched their second longest streak to begin a season with a power play goal in their sixth consecutive game. The last time the Blackhawks scored a power play game, power play goal in six straight games to open the season was during the ninety-five-96 campaign. The longest streak to start a season is eleven games. During the 90 91 season. Despite the firepower shortage on this team, the power play is getting it done. And this is something you and I have talked about a little bit over the last few years. Sometimes simplicity is going to create a successful power play. And it very much seems like that's kind of what we're seeing. You know, Andrew Shaw's out there and he's been a big difference maker on the Hawks power play. And who would have thought that coming into this season?
0: Yeah. And that's something I think we've talked about uh, quite a bit on the podcast. So I'm not going to belabor the point too much, but you saw it again on Sunday. Just the fact that so many of these guys are in their positions that work best for them and ultimately work best for the power play unit. You have Andrew Shaw and, D- and Pia Suter in the, Uh, spots in front of the net right like that's their position they're doing really good job at it you have Kane and Kubelik who have that good kind of side of the ice quarterback role they're not up at the top of the point but they're the ones kind of facilitating the puck and taking the really good shots the quick shots from those areas you've got Alex Dobrynkit who just has a rifle of a shot from that left face-off circle, and it's so important to have that on a power play, to have that threat because the defense can't over-rotate away from a guy like that because he'll score on you in an instant, and that's really important. And obviously, Dylan Strom has looked really good on the Blackhawks' top power play unit. The thing I did want to mention, and uh, if you follow me on social media, you saw yesterday that I posted I was a little bit surprised that the Blackhawks had chosen uh, Walmart to be the healthy scratch yesterday to get Carl Soderberg back in the lineup. And I thought that that was kind of an interesting decision. I had mentioned on the podcast previously that I was thinking that the Blackhawks could potentially replace him on the second power play unit with Philip Kuryshev because I could see a similar uh, deployment and usage for those guys. And then what happened yesterday, Philip Kuryshev scored a goal. I'm just saying, look at you. I, I thought that that was something that they could potentially do We've obviously both been really impressed with what we've seen from Philip Kurashev, and he showed it again yesterday. Like I just I look at this team and I look at the way, yes, they have some depth issues that they have to you know deal with in their forward group at even strength. but when it comes to the power play, the way that they have put together both sets, of power play attack units has been absolutely remarkable this season and kudos to them for figuring it out and kudos to the players for really embracing the roles that they've been put in because I've been really impressed all around with all 10 guys and now 11 guys that they've used in those positions
1: well and before we knew that Taves and Doc were going to be out for a long time the whole year for Doc Taves we still don't know um one of the things we sort of said was like, who's going to be the unexpected guy to emerge, right? Because if we're talking about a new window of Blackhawks hockey opening, not only are you going to need Mitchell and Doc and Boakwist to become what you think are going to become, you're probably going to need another guy or two to jump in and become uh, a, an impact player. Pia Suter scored a hat trick yesterday. Okay. Uh, and he has pretty much been your number one center. All but the first game of the year, he hasn't looked out of place. He's looked really, really good. kurishev you just—I don't need to recap what you're saying. He—he's looked really, really good, really, really confident as well. And you know, and Boquiss has looked better the last couple games. I got to be honest. So, and Mitchell really hasn't missed a beat. Mm-hmm. So, if all those things considered, you know, you can start to see maybe a quicker light at the end of the tunnel than we imagined. Now, look, all these guys. Kurashev, Suter, they'll have they'll have steps back. Like we say all the time, growth isn't linear, development isn't linear, and there's gonna be moments where, you know, Kurashev will go four or five games where you don't really notice him, as most young players do. But the fact that you've got some sort of unexpected some some scoring coming from unexpected places to me is really, really encouraging. And when I think about this and when I watch this team and I imagine them with Kirby Doc and Jonathan Taves on the roster, I kind of raised my eyebrows like, wait a minute. They might not be <laughs> quite, quite as horrible as we thought. You know what I mean? Right. Like, If you added those two, and I know maybe we're overreacting to two, good, two wins over the Red Wings, but there were signs against Florida that maybe they weren't quite as bad as the record was indicating. Add those two guys to the mix, and I th- and think you're talking about a team that can at least compete for a playoff spot. I know that's not the ultimate goal. And I know it's not going to happen this year, but, you know, things don't look quite as bad. Maybe they're a little better than we thought.
0: I do have to uh, caution Blackhawks fans a little bit because just remember, Pia Suter is only under contract for one season, so the Blackhawks may end up having to give him not a huge raise because he's not arbitration eligible next year, but they will obviously have to give him a little bit of a bump in pay, so you're eventually going to start running into potentially some issue with him. And then obviously after next season, Kirby Doc will be a free, uh, able to get off of his ELC and get a potentially more lucrative deal. So these young guys, obviously, we want them to be successful, but we also have to kind of keep in mind that as contracts come off the books, we're going to have to add money in for them. So – that's something just to kind of keep in the back of your head as you kind of see some of the successes of these guys. But I think that well, here before we, just before just we say, get up to all of to that, stay on, I want to stand.
1: I want to stand that real quick though, because sure, just so if Suter is the next Kubelik, which is maybe a stretch, but just saying, Kubalik made three point seven million on his contract. It's the same and situation. It, it is up
0: for free agency after next
1: season. After next season, so but you do have. Off the books next year, Yanmark is unrestricted. Soderbergh is unrestricted. That's three point two five total off the books. Yeah. Camp and Walmark are restricted, arbitration eligible. Suter, Hagel are restricted free agents. Uh, Zadorov is also an arbitration eligible restricted free agent. That'd be three point two million coming off the books. So, uh, just some things to keep in eye. You also lose the oh, and uh, Zach Smith and the Sorry. Zach Smith thing. At three point two five comes off the books as well. So there will be some cap space available after next season, but you're right. You still got to fill out a roster.
0: Yeah. And I, and not to, and this isn't to like, obviously be a wet blanket or anything. No, like no, it's just, all. it's something it's to, reality. it's something to keep in mind, especially for a guy like Suter. When you look at what happened with Dominic Kubili going into this season. And I think that that gives us a great excuse to talk about Pia Suter because well, he did some history making stuff yesterday. He had a hat trick against the Red Wings, became just the second Blackhawks player to have a hat trick within their first six career games and became the first Blackhawk in, I believe, 90 years close to that to have his first three career goals all come in a hat trick. So I guess this is the time of the show where we just get to wax poetic and be as effusive as possible about Pia Suter. We said before the season we were optimistic on what we were going to see from him, and I know I made some pretty big proclamations about the guy that he would usurp Dylan Strome as the top center among this group of Blackhawks forwards. <laughs> that and didn't uh, take long. <laughs> he lo- he looks pretty damn
1: good yesterday. I'm just gonna say it. He's looked good. Oh, there's no doubt. It, he he definitely looks the part. Like there's no when I watch him, I'm like he doesn't look raw at all, and I would even say that. Kubalik even coming in last year looked a little raw mm-hmm. right like it took him a while to get going and part of that yes was definitely opportunity but when I see Suter come in here and from day one sort of take that job by the reins that's impressive to me and the fact that he's in front of the net we talked about this a lot but I just really I think he just looks the part he looks ready to go he looks like he's ready to contribute um, aside from face-offs he's been really really solid Four points in six games and the goals he's scoring come in different varieties, right? There's there's more finesse ones, there's more right in front of the net. The one that Yanmark set up where he where Yanmark just threw it in front and Suter was able to to put a full shot on goal in that tight. Yep. That was impressive. And I, I've really liked what I've seen from his game so far. And you know, like I said, if they find another kind of diamond in the rough European import guy to come in here and be a, a consistent top six forward Especially a guy who just starting his career, they're putting it center. That that's a really strong sign that they trust him to be not only a center, but a top six center. You're and probably technically on paper, your number one center. Right.
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. Like they trusted him. Yesterday was his sixth career game in the last couple of games. He's been centering two guys named Alex DeBrinkett and Patrick Kane. Like that is It helps. If that's not a vote of confidence, I don't know what is. And I will also point out to your face-off point, which I kind of found interesting, he lost, I believe it was three out of, or nine out of 12 draws to the Red Wings on Friday. Yesterday, he actually won the majority of his face-offs. And, also, and while we're on the subject of face-offs, what the hell happened to Dylan Strome, man? He, he's gone four of, I believe it is, four of 14 in the Blackhawks' last two
1: games. That that's he, not. That's he, not great. No, he he was up at sixty some percent uh, last <laughs> time we talked, and, and everybody
0: a, was making such a big deal out of it, and now he's losing draws all of a sudden. Yeah, what he's heck happened.
1: He's up to fifty three point one six, and what's funny about that this year is you're going to have back to back games with teams. So if there's a guy that's just dominating another guy, yeah. it's going to make a huge jump in their stats, or if they're getting dominated by a guy. Like if he was up against fa- renowned faceoff expert Yannick Perot for two games in a row, that's going to kill his faceoff percentage. Sure. So and
0: I, and I wasn't saying that's oh, obviously badmouth Dylan Strome. I just thought it was funny.
1: No, it is, yeah, it is funny because I was looking as I have the stat sheet pulled up. Like I did notice that like oh big drop in Dylan Strom's faceoff <laughs> percentage. Not great on that mark, but yeah, I mean look, we're we're talking in glowing terms about the way this team's been playing, and look they they definitely haven't been perfect. No. There's still mistakes being made. And all those sort of things but I think based on where we were you know entering the first game against Detroit after four games of only one point picked up uh sort of disappointing outcomes it's nice to be reassured that okay maybe it's not going to be quite as ugly as we had feared and uh I was looking at uh charting hockey on Twitter Sean Tierney and uh he had expected goal rates he's got like his moving um graphs where it's like good fun dull and bad are like the four quadrants of the graph yep and the hawks are directly at the axis they are the very definition of average which is if i said to you going into this year the hawks are going to be the very definition of average will you take it or leave it i think most people would say take it
0: <laughs> yeah and, but, and i and i still feel i definitely feel that way and i know that Obviously, the whole idea of this season was that we wanted to see development of young guys. The wins and losses were kind of incidental to us. Yep. So, yeah, we're riding high because, you know, two wins, they felt good. But in those two wins, you had guys like Suter, like Kurashev, like Ian Mitchell, like Kevin Lankanen, all coming in and making really solid contributions. And if those are the guys who are making contributions – you're damn right I'm going to be happy about victories because that's how this team is going to move forward. I I had so much fun through both of those games watching those young guys, and I don't think that Blackhawks fans should shy away from being excited about the way that those guys have looked in their first six games. And I know there is going to be some times this season where that's going to kind of ebb off a little bit, right, where those guys aren't going to be scoring as much. You might even, dare I say, see an occasional scratch for a guy like a courage ever maybe even suitor especially with the, the fact they have Soderberg up now I think that that's going to be kind of an interesting little wrinkle to throw into that mix but I do think that it is perfectly okay and in fact should be encouraged for you to get excited about those guys if you're feeling excited about them don't don't shy away from it guys embrace it well look if you can't
1: The whole point of being a sports fan is to enjoy the wins, right? And if you can't do that, what's even the point? Uh, You mentioned Carl Soderbergh. Impressions after one game? There wasn't too much to glean after one game, but uh, what did you think just seeing his first performance?
0: So two things mainly. One is obviously you can see he does bring a physical edge to his game. I think that that's going to be something you can usually expect from him to throw a couple of pretty solid hits a game. I would like to maybe see him be a little bit more assertive in terms of shooting the puck. I don't think he had any shots on goal yesterday, which I found kind of interesting. I think the big headline for me about Carl Soderbergh, and it's something we had talked about before the season started, was the question of whether or not he was actually going to play center and take faceoffs based on the injury situation that he had last year. And he, w- he was right in there playing center in this game, and I thought that that was a really good sign, and I thought that it's it's really good to have a guy like that who can slide into that center position because it gives you more lineup flexibility. If you want to shuttle out a guy like a David Camp for a game or a Ryan Carpenter, you can easily do that because you have Soderberg in that mix now, and I do think that is a good thing for Jeremy Colleton and company, and I thought that – the fact that Soderberg was there and I thought played a respectable defensive game at center. Yeah, I'm expecting him, obviously, to do more offensively. But I thought that for his first game, I thought he acquitted himself relatively well. Not that I, you know, saw a whole bunch sure. of him. Like, it wasn't a guy who really jumped off the ice at you. But you know what? That's fine. Play 14 solid minutes of defensive hockey and I'm going to be totally fine with
1: that. Yeah, 13:48 of ice time uh, including 3:36 in the power play. 44% at the faceoff dots, but he won 4 and, and lost 5. So, if you flip so it it's he, her, It yeah. was shorthanded
0: time, not power play. Time. I'm
1: su- correct. Shorthanded time. Thank you. Uh I did notice twice he seemed to get turned around the wrong way on the penalty kill. Uh, but he did recover. I his big body and his experience out there on the penalty kill I think is gonna is gonna pay dividends and that's that's right now where the Hawks need the most help Mm -hmm. on the the, their penalty kill is really really struggling and you know for all the good the power play has done it's sort of been undone by the penalty kill and they're gonna let's
0: wildly speculate why is it been bad
1: I don't know I mean. it's kind of different all the time, right? There's been opportunities to clear the puck where they haven't. Uh-huh. There's have been there been some traffic in front that's been uncontested. Uh-huh. You know, slots not cleared out. And I think, you know, we've seen that happen a couple times with Duncan Keith. Um, but we know that when Duncan is not feeling confident in his teammates, <laughs> sometimes, he'll, <laughs> sometimes he'll try to do everything.
0: I do have to put that a little bit on Connor Murphy as well. I've noticed that he has had a couple of instances where, like you said, he is not – uh, contested uh, shooters in front of the net. and I definitely think that's an area where the Blackhawks need to be a little bit more physical and I'm sure I'm sure that's an area that they would love it if Nikita Zadorov could do something to clear out some of that traffic and they just haven't really been able to do that as a team, it has seemed like. and Zadorov did have two minutes and fifty seconds yesterday of shorthanded time and i I know that they'd love to get him more. That's definitely something worth keeping an eye on because I think that's if you're going to give up those rebound opportunities in front it doesn't matter how good in or whoever's in net is playing it's going to be really difficult to keep the puck out of the net.
1: I'm glad you mentioned Zadorov because I wanted to get to him uh, plus three in the win over Detroit on Sunday uh, 1916 of ice time you mentioned 250 shorthanded. What I like about him is and i've said this about him all along is he doesn't really uh, care who he's hitting as long as he's hitting someone anytime there's some sort of scrum or confrontation zadorov is right there to stand in front of whichever black hawk uh, is being confronted and almost always you see the guy in the other team like hands up. okay i'm good <laughs> just going i'm going to go over here now and skate away i like what i've seen from zadorov the consistency though every time i'm ready to be like that was a really nice play. There's some sort of turnover or some sort of weird pinch or some sort of bad read. I guess the way you do this is you look at this season as a one year, uh, you know, uh, evaluation program that the Hawks have for him, because if he can somehow work himself into more consistency, look, he's never going to be Nick Lidstrom. It's not going to happen. He's just not not that kind of player. But if you can count on him to be your number four, that's that's not bad you'll take that as your number four defenseman, a physical guy who can block shots and usually makes the right play with a little bit of ability to move the puck now and again. He exudes confidence. Uh, you know, you could tell he believes in himself maybe more than he should. For the most part, I've been very happy with, with what I've seen from Zadorov, but there have been those glaring moments of, oh, my God, what's happening? What are you doing? Never do that again.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I kind of feel the same way. Uh, the issue, obviously, you've mentioned it with Zodorov is I do think that his defensive positioning leaves something to be desired, which really makes it difficult for him to potentially play with any of the younger guys. When those guys get kind of moved through the lineup, you almost have to put him with a veteran just because he is kind of sketchy in that area. But I think that Jeremy Colleton has kind of recognized that, and I think he's kind of tried to – Shields Adorov a little bit from the more difficult matchups, which I also think has had a benefit for Connor Murphy, who has points in the last four games, I will point out. So I do think that 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 pairing is one that I'd be kind of interested to see whether or not it would continue. I think that his physicality, as you mentioned, is something that is big. It's really beneficial for the Blackhawks because that's not something that they really have a lot of in their DNA. And you could tell yesterday as the game started to kind of get chippy in the third period that Zadorov was just kind of looking for a face to punch. Like, he, I feel <laughs> like he really – he wanted to fight yesterday. That is something that I – feel very comfortable saying is that he wanted to get into some fisticuffs and like you said, that's not really something the Blackhawks are actively looking for. But in a game like that, you do want to see a guy stick up for his teammates and Zadorov definitely did that. And I think he his development, and I know that's a weird term to use for a guy like him, who's kind of on the one year tryout type contract almost with the Blackhawks, I'd like to see if his positioning improves at all as the season goes along. I'm I know there's obviously plenty of other guys on this roster that we kind of have to keep an eye on to see how their games evolve over the course of the year. I'm really interested to see if this Sidorov that we're seeing right now, if that positioning is something that's just kind of him trying to you know, be extra attentive to proving himself with this team and occasionally making some mistakes because of that, or if this is something that we're going to see consistently from him
1: yeah that that to me is the thing consistency 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 and you mentioned him wanting to punch people in the face and how that's something the Hawks haven't had in a while I've never been big on a fight will turn momentum in a game but I do think having guys out there who are willing to engage like Zadorov, like Shaw that teams know that those guys are there right like they know that Okay, is it 16s on the ice for Chicago? I'm not going to take a run at uh, Alex DeBrinkett or Patrick Kane right now because I know I'm going to have to answer for it. Or 65s on the ice and he's going to get in my face and make my life hard and probably slash my hand off at some point during the game. The deterrent factor, I do still sort of believe in. And look, the, the days of the enforcer are over. There's no more Stu Grimsons and Marty McSorley's. And, you know, I, I, I don't like to throw Bob Probert in there because Bob Probert could actually play when he felt like it, um, those days are over. But having guys on the roster that are physical players that you know you're going to have to answer to if you do take a liberty with a star, I do think there's a place for that. And that is something that they've really lacked. Even when they were winning cups, you had Boland who had a way of getting in your face. You you had Andrew Shaw for a lot of those. They had guys who their primary role wasn't to hit you or wasn't to, to intimidate. But that part of their game was there, and it's something they've been sorely missing. And I think with the addition of Zadorov and the resurgence of Andrew Shaw, that's that's sort of been addressed a little bit. And I, and I think that's that's a good thing. I think you see some players on the Hawks. And look, it's a small sample size for sure, but maybe guys with a little more confidence, a little a little less fear out there on the ice, knowing that they've got two guys that have their back.
0: Yeah, I can see that, and I think that. We've spoken so much this season already about Andrew Shaw and his kind of you know, his energy level has been just such a mm-hmm. boost to whoever he's been playing with. I think that we've made that argument that it's probably had a beneficial impact on uh Lucas Walmark and on Matias Yanmark, honestly. He had a great game yesterday.
1: Oh yeah. That was his best game as a hawk by far. And you're starting to Yeah, think- multi- Go ahead, sorry. No, I think you're starting to see him figure things out right like without a preseason without a without a proper training camp he's got to figure out his new teammates he's got to figure out how to play with these guys right and you got to get comfortable in the system and i think that's another part of why they look better is guys are starting to get the feel for how jeremy Cowton wants to do things and i don't want to say less resistance but look most of the guys on the roster now are not guys from the cup era you've got keith You've got Shaw, you've got Kane, and that's it. And we knew that Kane was one of the first guys to like kinda be okay with Jeremy Calton. Like kinda liked him right away. Cause we know Kane is an analytics guy. He's very into that part of the game. So he was very quick to embrace Jeremy Cowton. So I think that now you're sort of starting to see what Cowton's system is gonna look like and and when you've got everyone sort of understanding it and uh and bought into it. So and you said it last podcast about Duncan Keith and how impressed you've been with his buy-in, uh, not just on the ice, but also in sort of like a mentor role for these young defensemen. There's definitely a change in Keith. Yeah. And I would like maybe, you know, people to maybe ask him about it a little bit. I know Laz did a thing early in the season because he was working with uh, Michael Crutill after a uh, practice. And he talked to Keith there, but now that the season's going a little bit, that's a story I'd like to keep my eye on a little bit, yeah. is Keith in that sort of mentor-slash-teacher uh, kind of a role, because I think he's he's doing pretty well in that right now.
0: I Okay, so I think we, we're we in a good position right now, I think, in this edition of the podcast, where we could probably take a quick break. You can tell our wonderful listeners, you know what? Let's tell them about Dr. Squatch. I think okay. that that's something we should definitely do. But I, I think after the break, what I would love to do We've talked so much about the young guys on this team, the Kurashevs, the suitors. I do want to drill in just a little bit more on the way that Patrick Kane and Duncan Keith not only have been playing but also approaching this season. And I think that that would be a great conversation to have after we tell people – about the wonderful products that Dr. Squatch has. Jay, you got any personal testimonials today? Do you smell particularly good because of the uh, <laughs> items that you obtained from the Squatch?
1: This is a true story. Uh, yesterday, got out of the shower, uh, went upstairs, and I gave my wife a big hug, just because, you know, you do that to your wife every now and again. She's like, you smell amazing. I go, well, Ooh. that's either the Dr. Squatch uh, – it's, it's either the Dr. Squatch – Chalky milk bar that I used to shower with, or it's the Dr. Squatch Bay Rum deodorant. And she's like, "I think based on what I'm smelling, it's the deodorant because I had just put it on." <laughs> so I'm like, "Yes, yeah, this it." So I waved the deodorant under her nose. Yep, that's it. That's the smell. She very much enjoyed that, which was great for me. Uh, do you,
0: you want to know a really, really weird story? Sure. I my wife made uh, pancakes and waffles yesterday for dinner because she is amazing. And I gave her a hug in the kitchen, and her exact response was, you smell amazing. And I had just used the spearmint basil scrub soap from Dr. Squatch. So you and I both had
1: uh, seals of approval from our wives yesterday. I find that very hot. Do you like (laughs) smelling good for your wife or your significant (laughs) other, podcast listener? Sure you do. It's very rare that my wife's like, damn, you smell good. I'm like, what? Usually are just like, she just kind (laughs) of growls and grumbles at me, right? Because we've been married for a really long time and it's mm-hmm. you know wedded bliss, but you know, she gets tired of me after a while. Dr. Squatch, uh, she'll enjoy you, I promise. It's all <laughs> so good. So go to dr browse their items. They've got the thick bricks of soap, that's their flagship item. So many great scents to choose from, so many textures to choose from. Whatever you need, soap-wise, they've got it at Dr. Squatch. Stop putting crappy chemicals in your hair and on your body go all natural, go made in the USA, go with Dr. Squatch. Take that Squatch quiz at the top right of the page. Fill that out. Take that quiz. When you're ready to check out, use the promo code Madhouse20. You will save 20% on your order while helping the podcast at the same time. And pro tip, if this is your first time ordering Dr. Squatch and you think it's going to be something you're going to want to stay on, save money by subscribing, by the way, get yourself that soap saver, it's going to make your investment last two or three times longer than it would if you don't order that. I have the four wide uh, soap saver in my shower. I think they call it the Bigfoot. Uh, It holds four Dr. Squatch bars at a time because I like to rotate my scents and rotate my textures. You will too. DrSquatch.com, promo code MadHouse20. Let's take a quick time out, come back with James's topic, and the Hawks have a real test Coming up over the next handful of series, you're listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
0: Welcome back into this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We've been talking about the Blackhawks youth movement and how it's shown some real steps forward this weekend in the two wins against the Detroit Red Wings. We also talked about soap a lot, which was something I'm sure Dr. Squatch really enjoyed hearing. But now... It is time, Jay, to get into something that we really haven't gotten into too, too much so far this season, which is the play of Patrick Kane and Duncan Keith and the role that they are playing in the Blackhawks' current rebuilding process. And I've been really interested in the way that Patrick Kane especially has been playing, especially recently. Like, early in the season, the line with Dylan Strome and Alex Dobrynkit did not work. We had kind of questioned whether it would, based on past experience. It wasn't really great. Now, he's paired up with Pia Suter at center, who we've already spoken glowingly about throughout this podcast. And I'm kind of curious, Jay, I wonder what kind of impact Patrick Kane is having on the development of Suter specifically, because... There was something that I kind of I noticed it yesterday when Suter scored. I think it was his, I can't I can't remember if his his second or third goal, and the camera cut away to Patrick Kane giving him a hug, and just like the level of excitement on Kane's face, I'm wondering. It, Kane really seems invested in the development of a guy like a Pia Suter. I wonder if that's kind of a role that he's kind of taken on as kind of like the ambassador to this idea of a rebuild with the Blackhawks. And I'm wondering if he is kind of having those discussions behind the scenes maybe a little bit more with these guys than we thought, because he really seems to be invested in the young guy's success.
1: Well, I think just naturally, he's just such a good player <laughs> that yeah. there's going to be that sort of obvious, like, wow, look at this. Look at the chemistry there. Well, you know, you can put me out there and Patrick Kane will bang a couple off my ass and give <laughs> me some points. Right. But uh, there has been a bit of a, especially from Kane, you you described it well, that kind of a, a joy to him in this thing. And I think he's, you know, and look, we're, we're probably projecting a little bit, let's be honest. But oh, we
0: definitely are projecting, but that's kind of. I guess that's where we're at right now, because we if we want to have Patrick Kane on the show, maybe we can ask him about
1: it. That oh, Wow. All right. Put some pressure on me to get Patrick Kane on the show. Sure. <laughs> let me try that. No,
0: um, I'm putting it on the Blackhawks, not you. Hey, hey, Blackhawks, you know, Connor Murphy was on our show and now he scored points in four straight games. Yeah, Come on, you know you want to. Yeah, you
1: want to break Patrick Kane out of the slump he's on. He only had two assists yesterday. He's only the leading scorer <laughs> on the team. But you, do you want him to
0: potentially be in the Art
1: Ross race? Yeah, come on. Bring him on. Bring it on. We are the magic touch. Um, but I think there is a bit of him embracing this veteran role, too, where he's a young guy coming into the league when he started and had a couple veterans to sort of lean on himself. His head coach, Dennis Savard, was one of them. To have that star player – to lean on and go to for feedback is is i mean you couldn't you couldn't ask for anything more for a young player and now that you've got one at forward and one at defense with Kane and seemingly duncan keith that that's really great the other thing i want to say about that line is you know when the season ended there were a lot of questions about alex to the the goal production was way down uh he you know people were talking about maybe 50 goals for him and and he was nowhere close last season but when you talk to stan bowman when you hear from uh Jeremy Colleton they all talked about how his game evolved and he it was probably his best season of all-around play I think Alex Dobrynkin has looked fantastic in all three zones this year he's really been effective uh, he has sort of found that I guess for lack of a better word this it would be pace like the pace you had to play with all the time in all zones as opposed to just playing with reckless abandon in the offensive zone and then maybe maybe falling back a little bit defensively. He has shown that aggressiveness in all three zones. I don't mean, you know, aggressiveness meaning like I'm gonna hit people and all that stuff, but he looks confident and capable in all three zones right now. And, and I think he looks definitely more complete as a hockey player than he ever has before. I've really been impressed with his play this season, and I'm really glad and, and kind of relieved to see that he seems to be bouncing back to the guy. That we saw the first two years of his career, uh, in terms of offense too. He's got uh, two goals and uh, four assists this year, six points, one point behind Patrick Kane for the team lead, which is right where you want him to be. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got to be your number two scorer on this team, uh, and he is, and he's been had a really, really good start. I've loved what he's brought to the team, especially to the power play. DeBrinket is figuring things out, and it's funny he's been around so long. Right, like he's been part of the Hawks forever. We forget he's only twenty three years old. Yeah, there's a lot of development to come for Alex to it So really excited from what I've seen from him this season so far. A point per game pace, damn it.
0: What kind of melts my brain is that we do have to kind of start talking about him like he's a veteran because he kind of is. Like he's been around the team for several years now, and he definitely is carrying himself like that. And I love that you brought up the fact that he's bringing the speed and intensity to all three zones this season, because that is definitely something that I've noticed about him. I've really noticed that he... And this has happened in the past. This isn't like a new phenomenon necessarily, but now it's kind of a consistent phenomenon that he's always really aggressive on the forecheck in the in the offensive zone, especially he really wants to try to get the puck back before the opposing team can kind of get it out and get breaking back up ice. He's become really good at that. Very active with his stick. He's really trying hard to kind of pry the puck away from guys before they get to the blue line. I've noticed him a lot in the neutral zone this season as well, kind of doing the same thing. He's never going to be a guy, like you said, that can muscle a player off of the puck. That is not going to be his game. But he has such quick hands, and he does look like he has a really good kind of intuitive understanding of how breakouts kind of develop. And I've really noticed that DeBrenka has been able to short-circuit quite a few of those this season and I've been really impressed with his buy-in at that end of the ice and I know that we had kind of kicked off this conversation talking about Kane and Keith but I I feel comfortable putting to into that kind of veteran category and a guy who's kind of you know trying to set an example for everybody else and I think he's doing a really good job of it so far
1: definitely and you know he lives with Adam Boquist that's 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 something too you know he's got sort of a a it's funny 23 year old but he's got sort of a mentor role for a 20 year old on the team and looking at his numbers the big drop off in goals came last season when his shooting percentage went down to 8.7 percent uh his career average including that 8.7 and the season is 14.2 his rookie year was 15.5 percent his second year 18.6 percent like I said 8.7 last year this year still low for his career 11.8 so there have been some opportunities and there's been a few where Dabrinkit was right there to score or you know the goalie made a great save on him or he just sort of missed a spot or whatever. As well as he's been playing, there's room for growth too and the numbers could probably be a little better than they already are. So um, very, very encouraged from what I've seen from Dabrinkit this year. We can talk about Duncan Keith also, I
0: think, in this kind of discussion of veterans and kind of buy-in and all that. And I know that You know, there's been some question in the past about whether or not Duncan Keith really wanted to buy into kind of what Jeremy Colleton was selling. And I think that this season, I'm not going to say that we've kind of moved past that narrative, but I've definitely I've noticed Keith a lot more this season. Just taking kind of that, you know, the, you know, team first attitude, Keith has really been doing a great job of doing all the little things right again, like he always has. And he's always been seeming to kind of go over to like we saw. There was one moment yesterday where he went over to the crease on a penalty kill and was talking to Kevin Lankinen and yep. kind of pointing out a couple of things to him. And I know he's been doing that with guys like Adam Boquist as well. And I've just I've been very impressed that Keith is like, has taken on seemingly that kind of elder statesman role on the team and to do it while still playing at honestly a pretty darn high level for a guy that Sid's age and has so many miles on the tires, so to speak. I've been really... I'm glad that Keith has really bought into this because that really has the potential to make a huge difference when you have the young blue liners at the Blackhawks have. If you have Duncan Keith in that room taking charge and really serving that kind of leadership role, I think that's only good for the team. And I've been impressed that Keith has done that so far.
1: Here's here's something I pointed to in the offseason. And that's why the buy-in from Keith is such a big deal. If you're Adam Boquist, right, and you're at a drill at practice or you're in a meeting or whatever, and Jeremy Cowden says, this is what I want you to do in this situation, and Duncan Keith has a reaction of an eye roll or like he you know, drops his pen or shows some sort of frustration, that sort of poisons the well, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're Adam Boquist and you're saying, I want to be a top defenseman in the National Hockey League, Do I trust Duncan Keith more or Jeremy Cowan more right now? And the answer to that is obvious. Everyone on earth would say Duncan Keith, right? Yeah. So the fact that it seems that Keith has really bought in and has really sort of turned a corner on being that mentor kind of a guy. I love that you pointed out the talk he had with Lincoln. NBC did a great job of isolating that camera on those two in that moment. Um, With him on board, it just it helps everything it helps everything and sure maybe there are still moments where Duncan Keith doesn't agree with the way the Hawks play or agree with their system or agree with something Jeremy Cowan says but guess what he didn't agree with everything Q said either right and that's how it's always going to be but for him to add practices and in games be on board be supportive be positive that has such a huge impact especially when you've got such a young team so I'm I'm really pleased with how Kane and how Keith have handled things uh so far this season and look if they if they drop you know the next six things are going to go a little bit different right things right. might start looking a little different but so far through only six games um I, I'm, I'm I'm pleased with most of what I'm seeing from the Hawks this year I really can, am it's, it's can, can I bring up I want to bring up one thing
0: because we're going to start to transition away from this I think yeah. and There is one thing I want to bring up to you and kind of to our listeners as well to maybe think about and to tell me whether I'm kind of off base or crazy with this thought. I wonder if the absence of Jonathan Taves and Brent Seabrook from the day to day locker room interactions of the Blackhawks, if that is whether it was like a spoken request by Jeremy Colleton or Stan Bowman or not. I wonder if that kind of nudged Kane and Keith into these leadership roles, if they took that upon themselves or were asked to do it.
1: It's a good question. I mean, Taves and Seabrook were, during the dynasty, the unquestioned leaders of the team. Yeah. Taves was the lead by example, and he was sometimes vocal. Seabrook was the vocal leader. He was the guy who got him fired up. He was the one sort of, you know, air quotes, in charge of the locker room. And he's also, if you've ever been in a Hawks locker room, Brent Seabrook is an intimidating dude. Mm -hmm. He's huge. He has a presence about him. He's got a confidence and an air about him that could be intimidating for a young player. I'm not saying the Hawks are better off for not having those guys around, but I do think there's something to Keith and Kane who have always sort of been, I don't want to say peripheral leaders, but... They were always maybe three and four on the leadership thing. Now they're number one and number two, and they've both taken to it. And, yeah, taking that opportunity and running with it. And, look, I'll bet a lot of this stuff is subconscious. Like, we're we're sitting here analyzing, you know, facial gestures and all those sort of things. I think <laughs> what's what's most likely true is these things are just sort of happening naturally. Like, if right. you were to ask the players, like, are you actively teaching? Duncan Keith would be like, well, may, I guess. Like, I don't know. I'm not really – actively saying like today I'm going to help Kevin Lincoln in but he's just he's just sort of found that where the Hawks are now he understands that that's kind of part of his job there
0: that he understands that if there is a leadership vacuum who does that ultimately fall to and I and I like the way that you phrased it where maybe this is something that they've done in the past and now maybe it's something that you know is just a little bit more out in the open I guess but it's at least worth some it's at least worth thinking about to me like because I, I honestly I wonder if maybe a guy like a Stan Bowman or a Jeremy Colleton kind of put something in their ear during training camp and just kind of said, you know can you make sure that you're you know, looking out for this guy or whatever, or if it was just something that's kind of subconscious and they just kind of opted to do it. I tend to lean more towards Kane and Keith are doing it because it needs to be done, but it would be interesting if that conversation had taken place.
1: Maybe. And I think there's also a part of this that is acceptance where maybe Duncan Keith is like, well, maybe Cowan's going to get fired or maybe, but Bo- you know what I mean? But now you see Bowman promoted Cowan extended They're both sort of saying like, well, this is what it's going to be. So I might as well make the best of it. I think Mm -hmm. it's probably a little bit of all of this, quite honestly. And, uh, you know, I I said a moment ago that I'm pretty pleased with most of what I've seen this season. And I think that's true. I think they've been playing to their expectations, maybe a little better than their expectations. And like we've said all year, wins and losses aren't the most important thing this year. Uh, Truthfully, competitive losses are probably the best possible outcome for the Hawks, because it helps them get a better draft pick and probably uh, gets them to contention faster but I like what I've seen for most of the Blackhawks this season um, the mistakes we've seen for the most part have been um, just mistakes by young players or mis- mistakes by unexperienced inexperienced goalies uh, overall I've been pretty pleased with what I've seen
0: you know, it'd be a really smart idea, Jay, if you're really kind of buying into what the Blackhawks are selling, and you've really liked Philip Kurichev or Pia Suter, you can go buy a jersey. And where can you do that?
1: Well, Triple Threat Sports. We already talked about them, you jerk. We, we talked about <laughs> we talked you talked about Fry the Coop first of all. I talked about Triple Threat Sports when I talked about MadhousePodMerch.com, our merchandise uh-huh. shop.
0: See, yeah, this I need to pay attention. Keep
1: up. <laughs> but you know where you can wear your Kuroshev jersey and get a big garlic butter stain on it? Are you encouraging that? <laughs> Whatever you're into, man. Marishka's in Crest Hill. That's your place. You want That'll a big- definitely make your jersey smell good. <laughs> oh, it'll smell fantastic. You might eat the jersey. You just might. <laughs> I can't promise you won't. Hey, they are open for limited seating right now out there in Crest Hill, so go visit our friends at Marishka's 604 Theater Street, they are family-owned and operated since 1933. We've said it uh, this entire pandemic. Small businesses need your help. Yes, Marishka's is established, but they're still a small business. They're still family-owned, and they're struggling like everybody else. If dine-in's not your thing yet, I'm with you. I'm not there yet mentally, but place an order. Go pick it up. Tip the staff. It'll be just like dining-in. You just go home, and you could do it in your underpants, and it's, it's wonderful. The, the poor boy, the yodel burger, the twice-baked potato, the mountain of onion rings, the Icelandic cod. Lent is close. You're going to want to get that Icelandic cod. It is absolutely amazing. But everything at Mariska's is fantastic. Go online to mariska's.com. Check out their menu. See what they have to offer. Most people listening have probably been to Mariska's by now more than once because you go once, you're going to go back again and again. But if you haven't, try that poor boy first. That is what put them on the map, and it is fantastic. Again, 604 Theater Street marishkas.com or facebook.com slash marishkas all right james as positive as we're feeling right now there's a chance that in two weeks we might not be feeling as great because the hawks have two against nashville Ugh. two against columbus who Ugh. are about to add patrick line a, two against carolina Ugh. and two against the defending western conference champion dallas stars who just put it on the avalanche oh my <laughs> no they put them on the predators, predators. My i'm sorry yes
0: god they beat the pants off of the Predators all weekend long. I think at some point in the third period yesterday, I think the Predators had ten shots on goal in the entire game. Like, what the hell, man? Like you, and not only that, then you have you know guys like Kudobin and Ned, and it's just, oh, Dallas is so hard to play against. That is not a series that I'm necessarily looking forward to. What I am looking forward to is the tests. I am looking forward to seeing how these guys play in. You know, a building like Nashville where the Predators always play better at home. Then, obviously, the tests against Columbus and Carolina at home. I'm really looking forward to those, not just because I'm a closet Carolina fan, but whatever. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how they respond to the momentum that they've generated and whether they can bring that into these games. And they all provide kind of their own unique challenges, don't they? I think that the interesting thing about the Central Division this year is just how – you know how strong the division honestly is at the top and I'm really intrigued to see how the Blackhawks respond after four games against teams that are probably going to end up in the lower half of the division along with them going up against some of the division's best is going to be a really fascinating thing for
1: this team for sure and that 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 to me is that that's going to be look Detroit beating up on Detroit is great but if you see them sneak out a win against some of these better teams up coming up here That to me is going to be the most encouraging sign. And even if they don't get the wins, how do they play? Yeah. Right? Are they blown out of the water? Are they outclassed? Or do they look like a team that can compete and hang with the better teams in the league? That's what I want to see. That's what I'm really looking forward to. And that's why, like, as great as it was to beat the hell out of Detroit, there was that kind of cloud over your head, like, "Eh, maybe Detroit's terrible again. Right? Like they're probably not historically bad like last season where they were one of the worst teams literally in the history of the nhl the
0: additions definitely made them better but they obviously it's really hard to put a dent in you know historically bad season like you really have to make some changes to move forward from that
1: so these yeah this next set of games coming up is going to be really a good test because i think you know aside from dallas nashville you know uh columbus those are teams we're not really sure about yet. They're sort of, in our minds, maybe the upper middle of the pack sort of teams. Uh, so I, I want to see how the Hawks can t- compete against them. Because converse to the Red Wings, is that the right word? Converse, inverse, whatever. It was hard to get mad about what was happening against Tampa. Because you're like, well, it's Tampa. Right. The I got mad champ.
0: about Florida. The third game against Florida yeah, that, that was season, That was bad. That, that was probably the... Blown time this season and I've just gotten super irritated and just been like, all right,
1: this team is not Tampa. What the hell are you doing? Well, I think part of the irritation was everyone thought like, OK, well, it's not Tampa anymore. So they should they should be able to beat Florida. Then they didn't. So that was frustrating. So well, then
0: they weren't even close in that first. No, game. Like they that, were not <laughs> the, the second game. And then. That Literally, that point was proven the second game against Florida. They looked infinitely better, and that was kind of like the turnaround, right? And it was like, see? We weren't crazy. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to this next stretch of games. I'm looking forward to the series against Nashville. Uh, but I think we've exhausted all of our topics for today. There is one that we did not. What? A- oh, yes.
0: The uh- re- the reemergence The Rockford Ice Hogs will be starting up training camp, and guess who is on their roster? That's right,
1: friends. It is Scott Darling. I've never heard of Scott Darling. Can you please call him by his proper name, (laughs) Lamont native Scott Darling? Oh, my apologies. Chicago
0: area native, as I'm sure they say (laughs) on the national broadcast. But Scott Darling was brought in on a tryout contract by the Ice Hogs. Definitely sounds like something they're trying to add a little bit of veteran help to that mix. I would assume he's probably going to kind of play that mentorship role on that team. Not sure if he's in the Blackhawks' plans necessarily, but still very nice to see him back in the organization. And I know the Ice Hogs are going to be fired up to get him in there and to get him into the net and – that's, that's coming up. Their season's starting at the beginning of February. So we're going to start to see guys like Evan Barrett, who is on the roster as well. Cody Franson is apparently oh, no. on the Ice Hogs roster, which still boggles my mind. But those guys will be getting ready to go and definitely going to be keeping an eye on the Ice Hogs this season. Going to be really interesting to see how that all plays out you know, in this uh, kind
1: of COVID era. It's nice to see them back. Scott Darling is a great dude. I'm really happy he's back playing hockey uh, close to home. Uh, that said, I do not want him near the Blackhawks this year. Because that means that something like injuries or whatever would have probably played a role in that. Yeah, and I also want someone young playing. Someone with an NHL future playing. <laughs> well, he's younger than you. Everyone's younger than me. That's true. And he's I, all, I think he's younger than me, too. Yeah. So We're old. That's, that's, that's uh, the thing. That's the takeaway. We're old. Yeah. Most people are younger than us in the NHL. Well, that, that is a reality I faced long ago. James, you are right at the point in your life where you probably realize, like, wow, I'm like Mark Messier's age when he retired. Yo, yeah.
0: Now I'm thinking <laughs> to myself that draft picks in frickin' 2021 this year are literally going to be half my age. And I'm going to have to cry.
1: Oh, boy. What, so what year are they be born in like t- 02? this
0: this will be this year will be 2003. oh dear Lord <laughs> I
1: was well out of college at that point Duncan Keith was already drafted by that point oh my god. <laughs> oh, all right i'm ending the podcast thanks dad. Yeah, we're going the podcast to go drink bleach now <laughs> yeah thank you do not inject it though it doesn't work thanks everybody for listening to this edition of the madhouse chicago hockey podcast hawks play tuesday and wednesday so probably maybe a post game wednesday james can you do that can you make that work
0: i think i think we can swing that
1: all right so look for a post game wednesday night uh, in the meantime, make sure you're checking out the NWHL season. It's underway. I watched a lot of it this weekend. Twitch.tv slash NWHL. They are fast and furiously getting through their season here. So make sure you check Have it out. Have you picked
0: a favorite team yet, by the way?
1: Um, I think I like the Riveters.
0: All right. I, I'm tending towards the uh, Whitecaps.
1: Yeah, I've really taken a, um, a liking to uh, Madison Packer. She's become my, my favorite NWHL player. And she's on the Riveters, so there you go. There's there you Riveter. go.
0: All right. Yeah, th- <laughs> so we'll we'll, uh, we'll yell at each other when the Me- when Metropolitan plays
1: Minnesota. That'll be great. Sounds good. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishkas and Crest Hill, Dr.
0: Squatch, and by Fry the Coop.